This time on Slaughterhouse Princess, The Collector, 1965. Almost a love story. Hey, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can, can you tell me, does this coffee smell like chloroform to you? Welcome to Slaughterhouse Princess. I'm Chris. And I'm Troy. And uh, instead of Brett today, we have a special guest. We have uh, Thomas from the Patreon. This is his episode that he sponsored for us. So uh, say hi, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. (laughs) A classic bit. Yep. (laughs) That's what you get here. The classics. Only the best. We're trying something a little different. We're going to try to do a safe for work Mother's Day themed episode. Yeah, it's going to be hard for us. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, Thomas did uh, request this for his mother. So we're doing it on Mother's Day. How apropos. Of nothing? No. Oh, of of this this exact of situation. Uh, okay, yeah, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes there. So we start up with a a guy. Uh, Zod. Zod. Yeah. And he's out collecting butterflies, like you do. Yeah, he's just strolling through the bucolic countryside of England. And he, uh, I guess, finds an old house that's for sale and checks out the basement. And he's like, yep, this is the place. I've always wanted a weird basement full of arches. Yeah, and a roof full of chimneys. I think I counted six or seven. It was was like five. (laughs) It it was at least five. (laughs) And, uh... He decides he's going to uh, get himself some nice accoutrements for the house. So he gets himself a side table, a space heater, uh, a bed, and a stocking van. Yeah, which has some pretty nice blinds in it, I have to admit. Yeah, and that thing, as uh, Thomas mentioned in the chat, like, that thing is, like, almost double-decker. <laughs> it, it's got to be, like, 12 feet tall. <laughs> yeah, it seems incredibly unsafe to drive. <laughs> so he, uh, he stalks he around his quarry. Yeah, not, not like a place where you get rocks. Yeah, it's but not a lady. like that. <laughs> it turns out he's, uh... Fancy's a young lady. Yeah, uh, Miss Angie Everhart. So Angie Everhart <laughs> gets followed around, and she's, you know, walking about. She heads to the local public house where she has a conversation. A Tinder with, date? Yep, and it doesn't go well. <laughs> no, it does not. 
you got swipe left or whatever the appropriate direction is. I don't. I use Grinder. I don't know. Wait, is that safe for work? <laughs> Chris always swipes down. Innuendo averted. Anyway. <laughs> so he um fills up his little pouch full of uh whatever it was with chloroform. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he yeah, just keeps a bottle of chloroform up. in the glove compartment for emergencies. Never know when you might need to chloroform a person. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Stop adding facts during recording. <laughs> yeah, the behind the little behind the curtains there. I just keep typing in new Chris facts for our Discord server. You you should subscribe. Yep, it's 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 good fun. So now, uh, he's managed to get whatever I'm supposed to call the the girl, Angie Everhart. Angie Everhart. And um, turns out he is the most polite kidnapper ever. Yeah, he's like, please, uh, pardon me while I place this over your face. And uh, then give you the snuggle struggle <laughs> to uh, to put you to sleep. Yeah, it, yeah. In the book, he claims that uh, he hit a dog. Oh yeah, uh, this movie is based on a book, and Thomas is the only one of us who has read it, so he will be able to give us the insider info on it. But yeah, Chris and I know nothing, which is the norm. Yeah. And he uh, got her a pretty nice uh, murder dungeon room set up. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Basilica Cisterns in Istanbul. If you've uh, ever been there or seen pictures. Obviously, I've been to Istanbul. Yeah, <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> but yeah, just Google it. It's, it's cool. So she, uh, she wakes up, needless to say, not super happy about the situation. Yeah, she's really ungrateful and just wants to be, like, released immediately. I mean, what is this? Yeah, how frightfully rude. <laughs> I mean, she's got a space heater. He was bringing her <laughs> yeah. tea and stuff. Although, when like she does realize she's trapped, she, like, pounds on the door and she's like, Please! Somebody let me out, please. I'm just waiting for be like, you know, if it's if it's not too trouble, could someone please uh, release me from here? <laughs> yeah, she was quite polite. <laughs> and uh, Zod decides that he's so happy he's gonna have a flashback of when he got seventy one thousand pounds. And- yeah, which like in 1965 is like forty trillion American dollars now. Yeah, I was like, lady, shut up. Don't give it away. And then he uh, goes outside in the rain and has a good laugh like you do. Yeah, it's like the reverse of a shower cry. And he won it in the pools. What does that mean? Does anybody know? Uh, Football betting. Okay, that makes sense. And by football, you mean soccer. The only way. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, uh... He decides, you know, that since she's not happy, they work out an arrangement where he'll only keep her for four weeks after a little bit of uh, negotiations. He, he wants six. He's like, eh, I can't do six. I can't do six. He's like, hey, I'm reasonable. She's like, she's like one. Actually, no, tomorrow. <laughs> and then one. <laughs> How about now? Yeah. A shrewd negotiator. <laughs> and then finally, they decide on four weeks, which is almost a month. And then he says, oh, it'll be like June 14th. And she's like, uh, nope, June 11th, because it's four weeks and not a month. Yeah, because you're going to know that. So, uh, as she's as he's bringing up breakfast the next day, she uh demands some some answers. She figures, you know, he's some sort of uh, sexual deviant, and that's why she's here. Reassures her that you know he's a respectful guy. Guest, he doesn't have any ill intentions. He would never. Yeah, he really should be wearing a trilby. I mean, just because you chloroform a person and drag them into your van against their will doesn't mean you're not a gracious host. I mean, that's really just the way of avoiding the friend zone. I just figured that's how they did it back in the 60s in England. I don't know. I wasn't around then. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Sleepy Time Formula. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like they like put him in a wicker man and burned him or anything. Oh. So, we'll uh, get the bees next week. Not the bees. <laughs> so anyway, they basically are just kind of arguing back and forth. Uh, she creates a wall with numbers of dates on it. Yeah. And then she paints over. And I was like, she needs a Rita Hayworth poster to go over that. So then she can dig her way out like a normal person would. Actually, she does in the book. Oh, okay. So, really, Stephen King just ripped off this book. I believe so. <laughs> and the the next day, she uh, she goes with the classic appendix gambit, like we've all done before. Although, really, it just sounds like she's just um taking care of things down there. Yeah, I thought she was um. Handling some business. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we'll just have to uh, talk our way at the. You know, it's, it's five little letters that I'm looking here. <laughs> so uh, she tries to make an escape as he runs for the doctor, I suppose. Yep, and she finds out the door is locked at the top. Yeah, because I mean he's he's no idiot. Yeah, this is honeymoon all over again. <laughs> so um yeah we uh kind of jump smash cut a little bit up to the future as time passes time passes kind of quick yep. sporadically yep. in this at some point like after a week he's like uh hey do you want to take a bath because ooh 
Yeah, I'm not saying you smell, but I'm not saying you don't. I am a gracious host, after all. <laughs> Actually, she demanded it. Yeah, did she? I, I thought he, it was his idea, but... Well, in the book, anyway. Oh, in the book, okay. She kept him waiting for two hours, I want to say. But uh, in the in the movie, he he's like, oh, you can go take a shower now, right, but I'm going to tie your hands behind your back. And I'm going to gag you. But then she's like, no, you don't need to gag me. I won't scream. Yeah, it's a totally reasonable thing to think. I'm just your... And then they get outside, and she tries to scream. Yeah. (laughs) But in fairness, he did do a super weird hair-grabby thing. Yeah. He uh, seemed to enjoy restraining her more than someone should. So, uh, he lets them... uh, she goes up to take her bath, realizes that, you know, she can't shut and lock the door, windows boarded up, any uh, stabby objects like razors and such are gone. Yep. And as uh, she's taking a bath, uh, there's a gentleman who shows up at the door. Yeah, from the, the Nosy Neighbor Historic Preservation Society. Yeah, Colonel Mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Colonel Mustache shows up and is super British. <laughs> yes, he is. Shows him the, he didn't uh, call anyone lieutenant, but he should have. Gets real mad that he put electric into the murder basement. Yeah, like, and how do you tell that someone put electric in there? Uh, I have no idea. Because <laughs> there's no windows. <laughs> I did like when he showed him the priest hole. Yeah, like I thought that was Chekhov's priest hole. Yeah, so but did I. I actually there has to be a dead body. Hmm. And uh, so he's he's basically got her all tied up now because of the the man showing up. So she does the only thing she can do to try to get you know, somebody aware, and turns on the tub. And Colonel Mustache is like, hey, what's that? He's like, it's my cousin. Then the water overflows. And uh, Colonel Mustache is like, well, how frightfully raucous. We should go uh, address this immediately, (laughs) post-haste. And he's like, oh, you can't do that, because it's my my girlfriend cousin. Who's a mute... (laughs) And doesn't want I you. I mean, who doesn't have one? <laughs> yeah, uh, don't, don't don't we all? Yeah, obviously it's 2017. I don't I don't live my life under those constraints anymore. <laughs> yeah, and so uh, she, oh, so uh, Zod goes in there, and he turns off the water. And he's like, oh, my girlfriend was just frightfully embarrassed that she uh, broke the faucet on the bathtub, but I fixed it. So she's just going to stay in there and be quiet and naked. And uh, maybe you should just go like a person should. Hint, hint. Go. 
Yeah, in the book, he goes into this whole like long thing about trying to see the basement. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad they didn't linger on him too much because the colonel was kind of stressful. Because <laughs> I was like, for some reason, I was rooting for Zod. I know I that's know a why. weird thing. <laughs> yep. So, uh, old Colonel Mustache invites him for a couple of uh, drinks with his his cousin girlfriend. And off he goes, never to be seen again. Yeah. In the uh, the original cut of the movie, which isn't available, it's about three hours long, and his part was cut down significantly. Uh, that's probably a good call. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I was getting really stressed out that scene, which is great, but I was like, I don't know if I could handle, like, 20 minutes of that. <laughs> So after the uh, the heroin bath scene, because <laughs> that's what I always have every night is a heroin bath. Well, yeah, I mean in this context, <laughs> Zod says, "Hey, come here! I want to show you something," which isn't isn't as bad. Yeah, usually that means um, here's this text I sent you. <laughs> yeah. And he just wants to show her his sweet butterfly collection. Yep. Then we get some, uh, some rather uh, heavy-handed uh, symbolism. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I've uh, I've killed all these insects and pinned them up for me to view for my enjoyment. I'm sure that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Well, I guess that makes me just like one of these butterflies, eh? <laughs> Which actually does lead to the best shot in the movie. Yeah, yeah. You pointed that out on the chat. Like when the her reflection is in the case over some of the butterflies and she's just she's asking him questions. Oh, you've collected me. <laughs> yeah. oh, wait. oh, wait, that was Southern, my bad. <laughs> that's okay. My British accent is worse. That's why I don't use it. My British accent is just Australian. <laughs> it is, actually. Yeah. Oh, God, you're collecting me now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's real bad. <laughs> I'll admit it. Uh, but yeah, so I was actually kind of surprised she didn't, like, smash anything while she was in there. But she just kind of, like, uh, is kind of weirded out by, okay, so you are potentially a psycho serial killer. Gotcha. I'm going to go back uh, to my uh, cave now. Thank you. Yeah, actually, in the book, if yeah, she actually starts throwing a lot of stuff around. Yeah. Yeah, kind of, maybe not this time in that room, but the next time in the room that comes up a little bit later, I'm really surprised she didn't start breaking stuff. So, yeah. Time passes, I don't know, indeterminate amount. Yeah, she makes some drawings with very large hands in them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're so large they can touch everything except for them, themselves. And she oh, seems, wait. Uh, she... Do I even want to know what that means? Uh, that's from Futurama. Yeah. <laughs> Good bit. It's like, my hands are so huge they can touch everything except for themselves. Then he touches them together and says, oh, wait. <laughs> um, 
Zod says, hmm, she doesn't seem real happy. I bet it's because she hasn't got to write that letter to her folks, not because she's in this murder basement. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, social interaction is very important for the woman of the 60s. So, uh, she gets to write a letter, and by write, I mean dictate. Or has yes. it dictated to her, I should say. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, here, write a letter. Let me tell you what it should say. Dear human parents, I am not being murdered. Love, human daughter. And I still have all my organs. Yeah. Deep cut to Invader Zim. (laughs) And he hasn't tried to intentionally rape me yet. Yeah, just that one weird time where he grabbed my hair and smelled it all funky. (laughs) And, um... She distracts him by pointing at the the pictures and saying, pick a picture on the wall where she, in this frame of, I don't know, 20 seconds, manages to write like a six paragraph essay and hide it in a tiny scrap of paper. I'm pretty sure he pre-wrote that. That That or just said, help me. (laughs) And, um, I don't know. It didn't because it said that she's trapped with a madman. And he's going to murder her, and yada, yada, yada. Yes. Well, I got a question real quick. Could a madman have really done all that? I'm uh, pretty sure, because madman does not mean incompetent. They're mostly ad executives, from what I remember from television. Yeah, they would have yeah. sold, sold her better on the whole situation. Just imagine, like... With all that sun damage that she would have gotten normally, her skin will look smooth and younger. And uh, so she manages to sneak it in the envelope. And again, a very tense scene for some reason. Just because you're like, uh-oh, he's totally going to find that. But it looks like he's not going to find it. But then he does yeah. find it. What I like was the scene was absolutely dead silent, except for just the uh, him folding up the envelope and somehow feeling this. It was like one piece of paper thick. I don't know how that would have happened. Yeah, he they do a really good job with this movie with the score. With building tension. So he, uh, understandably, isn't super happy about that. Then she says, hey, hey, look, we're all pals here. Why don't you read Catcher in the Rye? And then have some gravy for your brain. And he says, uh, okay. Also, all that stuff you wrote wouldn't have helped because uh, this isn't, you're not where you think you are. That's not really my name. All those facts were kind of erroneous. I'm just going to tear this up and throw it on the ground. Peace. <laughs> Peace out. <laughs> yeah, going back to the uh, book. Yeah, I'm going to mention this a lot. Uh, she actually talks him into sending a check, although he never does, to some society against military stuff. And what was the uh, the what was her game there? Uh, she was just one of these pacifist types in the sixties and was didn't want war. Okay, I thought maybe she was like trying to use that as a signal or something. Oh uh, no, it's just a cause she believed in. Okay. Apparently, Chris's phone is a, a one of those quartz motion-charged phones, where if you shake it, it, it will charge. It decided to, to shift uh, <laughs> orientation on me. All right? 
Jeez. <laughs> Too much behind the curtain, so, Troy. So it's a pan rotational phone. <laughs> yes. Okay. And uh, it's good. The Freedom Day finally arrives, which is an inadvertent Futurama reference. <laughs> or maybe it was an advertent a Futurama reference that they made to this movie. Possibly. And uh, the, the girl, she's super happy because it's Freedom Day. And he's like, well, Freedom Day doesn't actually happen till midnight. I'm not going to, you know, just kick you out of here at nine in the morning. And then they no, have I still the, got 17 more hours to convince you that you love me. And they have a super uh, heated debate about Catcher in the Rye. Yep, she uh, she she does not pass the Salinger test with him. <laughs> yeah, but what's funny is again going back to the book that if you like read it, they were both exactly like Holden. Like I don't know why that scene was even in this. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just kind of to he doesn't deal well with metaphor a lot in this. No, he does not. Yeah, he he. Everything is has to be very like strict and factual and explained out. Like if this had been like a two thousands movie, I would have been like, oh, so they're making him autistic, and somehow that makes him evil. <laughs> yeah, but this wasn't. So I guess this was what Sheldon's grandfather. Yes, yes, Sheldon's grandfather is Zod. Makes perfect sense. Um. And he get, he also gets super mad about Picasso. Yeah, because Picasso's paintings don't look like people. Yeah, well, he is a talentless hack. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not up enough on my art uh, appreciation to uh, to comment too much on Picasso, but some of the stuff at least is visually interesting. But it's about as far as I can get into it. Dodd, he kind of storms off but then instantly feels bad and brings her down to a pretty dress to wear. Yeah, it's like this, like, white... I guess, like, these days, it would be kind of like a white, like, Sweet 16, Quinciera, like, kind of virginal dress. I guess probably that was the intention then, too, but... Yeah, it was kind of like... It was a little too young for her, like a white sundress. She had pigtails. It's just fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So they get all uh, dressed up to have themselves a Freedom Day dinner. And he plies her with champagne and caviar. Have, did you guys do uh, the movie Grotesque, the Japanese one? Uh, no, we have not. Yeah, it has it. Am I about to spoil that movie? Uh, <laughs> I, I think you're fine spoiling it for now. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, there's a similar scene where they where the insane doctor hacks up on a couple of people and then has a like hospital scene where he actually takes care of them and then goes right back to doing what he was already doing. Yeah, you can't get that same thing here where he's like, oh, I've kept you trapped, but oh, I, I like you so much. And here's some champagne and some caviar and we're gonna have a nice dinner and you should totally marry me. Now, I mean, we don't have to like sleep in the same bed or in the same room. We don't have to do anything. We just should be married. Yeah, and uh, he doesn't he doesn't take that. Well, well, she doesn't. 
And she kind of freaks out a little bit, like a normal person would from such a weird marriage proposal. Then uh, realizes that she's not going anywhere. This is not Freedom Day. This is not Freedom Day at all. Because it's not a because it's not a Morica. We have freedom every day. <laughs> no, this is England, where you have a queen. So she uh, tries to run off, but doesn't get far. Ends up in the uh, butterfly conservatory again. Yeah, which is like so she's trying to run away, trying to like freak him out. You should start smashing his stuff. I mean, like the things he cares about most, just start breaking them. I was like. But she's too polite, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Call back to, or call forward to Pet, where the uh, uh, Holly starts smashing her face into the cage. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. Nor am I. But, yeah. But we may have to do that. So he, uh, in classic form, gets out his vinyl chloroform pouch. He should have put it in the wine. Just saying. No, Chris likes his chloroform in his coffee. That's that's where Chris like Chris likes his chloroform every day. Yeah, that's why I'm not allowed in the Starbucks anymore. <laughs> so, uh, she grabs a pen to try to I don't know mildly annoy him as he's trying to chloroform her, and then um. He gets chloroformed. He takes him. He takes her upstairs. Another one. Yep. He <laughs> yeah, takes her upstairs, and while she's passed out in bed, he just lies down next to her and smiles at her because apparently this is what he wants more than anything is just to lie in bed next to her. Yeah, the reason for this scene, which for some reason got edited to this like American Mary scene is in the book. He, every time she gets chloroformed, she uh, throws up. So he changes her out of whatever she was wearing at the time and then takes her back downstairs. Yeah, but instead they just made it some weird, creepy, I'm going to smile at you while you sleep. <laughs> See? Yes, sleep. <laughs> yes. Well, you know, sleep the sleep of the drugged. Yeah. She comes to the next day in the classic murder basement. And old Zod's like, look, I'm super sorry about the chloroforming you thing, but you kind of forced my hand the way you don't want to be trapped here forever and ever and ever. <laughs> and the real problem isn't the fact that you're trapped here. It's the fact that you're not trying hard enough to love me. Because obviously the impetus is on you in this situation. He's like, I mean, Patty Hearst only took her, like, a small amount of time. You're taking a lot longer. And, uh, and later on, comes out of the bathroom. He's like, hey, look, we just hang out in the living room for a little bit. We'll have some sherry. Maybe we'll be friends again. You know, like the good old days. <laughs> And then uh, she, she kind of comes on to him. She uh, takes off her British night robe thing. Yep. They have a little make out. <laughs> like, well, I mean, let's let's go all the way with this. And he's like, no, 
No, I see what you're doing. You're trying to give me what I want because it's what I want. But I'm not going <laughs> to fall for that. Yeah, as I said before, the guy's more of a press than uh, uh, that guy on YouTube, Mr. Enter. Yeah, I mean, it's like he's like, hold, like, he's got this really strong, like, virgin whore dichotomy thing going on where it's like, oh, like, you're great as long as you're virginal. Then I'm attracted to you. But as soon as you express any kind of, like, sexual interest or ability and oh my god you're terrible you're evil you're a whore he even like says that he could get he could get that anytime he wants with the corner girls in london so like that's not what he wants from her uh but it's pretty obvious that's what he wants from her yeah it's like i don't want what you're offering that i want yeah so it's back down to the uh classic murder basement except but- she uh, tricks him into letting her hit him in the head with a shovel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, not- it was an axe. Yeah, in the book apparently in the book it was an axe, but uh, she went uh, she went full uh, Sabat initiation rights on him today and hit him in the head with an axe or with a I'm sorry with a shovel. But it doesn't knock him out, but it does bloody him up, and he uh. Takes her down, locks her back in the murder basement where she busts up her space heater. Yep. <laughs> and sparks out of the, like, she trips over the, like, the cable and just sparks start flying. And you're like, oh, I think she may have really messed that one up. <laughs> he uh, manages to drive himself to the local hospital. Yeah, only he's like going in and out of consciousness. And he, uh, he manages to stumble out of the van. And, I don't know, the doctor or one of the attendants or something jumps into the van and apparently parks it for him because that's what they do in a single-payer healthcare system is not only do they treat your wounds, but apparently they'll park your car. The, full yeah, the, the National Health Service is great. At the hospitals that I've uh, worked at, they actually have a valet. So I yeah. guess if some stumbly motor rapist pulls up, they'll park your creepy van. <laughs> Yeah, but still, it's in the candy only section. <laughs> and um, days pass, I believe. Yeah, because I'm certain certain they kept him for observation to make sure his concussion was fine. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, do they like not ask any questions? Like, gee, this looks like a defensive shovel wound. And he's probably like, eh, I kind of just fell into a doorknob. <laughs> classic no that's what she would say yeah i know and uh yeah but yeah but in the meantime she's down in the basement going uh please don't be dead because if you're dead then no one will come and feed me and then i will die yeah it's kind of had a similar feel to the ending of seed yeah it was just that was a stupid movie (laughs) so he uh he comes back and she doesn't look so good. No, I thought it was starvation, but I think uh, I think as uh, Thomas, you said in the book that it was pneumonia. Yeah, from the uh, being in a cramped uh, space. Yeah, especially without the space heater, I could see that uh, that that she's now damaged the space heater. That's probably what it was. I thought she just like hadn't eaten for three days, so she was kind of weak. But pneumonia makes more sense. He runs back to town to fetch a doctor, but doesn't fetch a doctor because he realizes, oh, wait, I've abducted a person and have them in a murder basement. Maybe bringing people isn't a great plan. 
Then he wants to buy his bazooka bubble gum. So he heads to the local uh, chemist and buys yeah. unnamed drug, which will yeah. fix her unnamed illness. <laughs> but it turns out he's too late, and she has already succumbed to her sickness. Yep, but apparently her sickness does not include rigor mortis because she was very limp when she was dealing when he was like trying to uh to wake her up. And honestly, like she was so limp, I thought she was faking and was waiting for him to uh because he didn't check her pulse. So I was like, oh, she's obviously still alive. And now she is waiting for him to turn his back and she's gonna like lock him in the dungeon and leave him down there because that's what you know. I was kind of hoping this could turn into a revenge movie at some point, especially when she hit him with the shovel. Yeah, that's pet and honeymoon. Yeah, but nope. He's just, she's just dead. Actually, but since you mentioned uh, going stiff when you die, uh, having done a couple uh, runs to the morgue back when I worked in the hospitals, you actually have a little while before they get too stiff. Yeah, and it goes away eventually too, right? Yeah, it does. Eventually yeah. the bonds break down. Yeah. But I kind of expected her to like just be like rigor mortis, but it was not. She was still limpa mortis. Then we're uh, we're treated to a voiceover where he's like, "So I buried her in a nice box I made by a tree, and I realized the problem wasn't that I abducted her and put her in a murder basement. The problem was she was too hoity-toity. Yeah, she was too fancy." <laughs> It's fun again, going back to the book, she was actually quite insufferable. I'm not justifying what the guy did. He was awful, too, but I don't feel they really captured that. No, she was pretty... Um, she was meant to be very sympathetic in the movie. And uh, we see him follow some nurse lady down uh, the street to abduct her in broad daylight, which should work out well. Which well, I mean, it did last time. Yeah, but what I want to know is when did nurses stop wearing capes? Because capes are kind of cool, and I was like, why don't nurses wear capes now? That's a fair question. <laughs> I'd write the Surgeon I mean, General. Yeah, there we go. That's what yeah, he should dictate capes for all his men. <laughs> Have you not seen The Incredibles? We're not doing capes. <laughs> Well, granted, nurses don't deal with engine turbines too often. Hey, you don't know. <laughs> and that's but, uh, that's the Collector, 1965 edition. Yes. And next summer, the Collector 2, Moran dies for revenge, Judgment Day. Yeah, I, was, I, would, I really was hoping this would go into a revenge mode at some point. But <laughs> that would, so that would be awesome. <laughs> But Chris, what did you think of the movie? I liked it. Generally, a movie of this vintage doesn't uh doesn't work for me all that well, especially something like this, which is a uh, slower paced. Sixties, seventies movies have a a pacing thing that sometimes doesn't hold up well to our modern sensibilities. But this was real good. It was it was really just the two actors the whole the whole time. They both were doing their part pretty well yeah the soundtrack is sparse but in a good way it's only there when it needs to be it doesn't get in the way and they do a really good job of making everybody sympathetic in a way where at times you're just as concerned that uh 
the bad guy is going to get caught as you are that the the good guy isn't going to get away. And it has a downer ending, which, especially for the, the time this movie was made, is not something you see a whole lot. I'd say give this one a go. It's on the longer side. It's not super horror, but it is a pretty solid uh, psychological thriller kind of a flick. I say give it a give it a shot. You can do a lot yeah, worse. It's so, a couple of fun tidbits. Uh, is that uh, Samantha when they were in, actually in uh, college together to learn how to act? Samantha Edgar actually toned down Terrence Stamp at, for a date, and so they end up in this awful movie together which had to be awkward yeah yeah it's like oh hey you turned me down for a date so now i'm gonna pretend to kidnap you <laughs> it probably had a little a little more uh truth to the uh to the movie than would have normally been there yeah that's what the director actually intended was that they would have that like awkward tension the whole time what do you think mr troy I liked it. Um, I'm a big fan of movies that have people in horrific situations so much, you know, more so than just like gore fests. So, you know, like this kind of hit like the same kind of nerve for me as like frailty does, uh, which is also one of my favorite movies. Uh, so yeah, I liked it. They said the, it really is just two actors, uh, that hold down the whole movie and they do it really well. And, uh, Terrence Mann is just like so creepily calm and polite. Stamp. Uh I think it's is it Terrence Stamp? I thought it was Terrence yeah. Mann. That's no, Terrence but, Stamp. Zod. We'll just call him Zod. Because <laughs> that's all I can remember. Uh yeah, like the that guy just did a great job being calm and polite and creepy. And then uh and the girl, the lady did a great job just uh Oh, yeah, with Samantha Eggers, I think is the actress's name. Uh, she did a great job, just like trying to work any angle she could to get to get out. Like the just you could just see her be like, "Oh, uh, let me try being polite. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try being friendly. Let me try being this sad, like danger. Like you could just see the actress did a great job of like showing what was going on behind the eyes of that character, but not like." in a blatantly obvious way, but just subtly enough that it was, it was really well acted. And I said, I could have gone with her, uh, getting some revenge at the end because I like a good revenge movie, especially if it doesn't have any rape in it. But, uh, I still like the ending because yeah, I like a good nihilistic ending as well. So I'm okay with this. Uh, and so yeah, I would say watch it. Did you have any more thoughts on it, Thomas? I'm going to assume you should think people should watch it because you said we should watch it. But <laughs> it's a definite watch. I think it should still be on iTunes and uh, Amazon, obviously. Okay. So next week we have Candyman because I still have bees. I've managed to keep bees alive for three weeks now. That's <laughs> awesome. Hooray! Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so I don't think we'll get any honey this year, but I'm looking forward to making some Candyman mead next year because that's what I'm going to call it. Uh, but in honor of that, uh, we will be watching Candyman. Um, hopefully Brett will be able to join us, but knowing his work schedule, he, we will never see him again. <laughs> yeah, it might be the... He's in my basement. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah Chris, and, uh, Chris and Thomas trade Brett off from time to time. To yeah, normally in he's in my basement. <laughs> so say, Troy, because I'm going to stick you with it because I don't want you to stick me with it. I was I was delaying until you got to that point, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> what if other people have movie recommendations or comments or would like to know more about things? Well, uh, for general in- inquiries, they should uh, go to Facebook and look up Slaughterhouse Princess. Uh, you find us there. Uh, give us a like. Send us messages. Post on our wall. Uh, we love all that. We have an email, which is uh, slaughterhouseprincesspodcast at gmail.com. We also take correspondence there as well. Although Chris may be the only one who answers you because he's the only one who checks it on a regular basis. Uh, we also have a Twitter at Slaughter Prince which is Slaughter Princess with no vowels in princess because Chris can only put vowels in half of his words. And uh, we also have a uh, subreddit at r slash SHP podcast. Uh, we can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Play Music. Uh, we have our Discord server, which you should come join us at at discord.slaughterhouseprincess.com. Uh, we do lots of we, we will talk about anything and everything from Japanese manga and anime to board games to, I don't know, anything else. Um, and then you should also check out our Patreon at patreon.slaughterhouseprincess.com uh, where you can uh, pledge for all sorts of fun rewards uh, such as Thomas did this time where uh, you get to sponsor an episode where you can you know tell us what to watch, tell us what to drink. If you want to tell Brett, who wasn't here today, but who would normally be here to yell whatever you want at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, the podcast is kind of yours, or that episode at least. It's kind of yours, so uh, you can have some fun with it. And uh, there's there's lesser rewards as well, uh, but you should give those a, a look. And uh, if you wanted to uh, throw some money our way, we will put that into hosting and maybe getting Brett his own mic. <laughs> because, yeah. He, because, you know, we... Brett can't have a mic without your help. <laughs> yeah. Pennies a day, you could give a poor middle-aged white man a microphone. <laughs> Thank you, Sally Struthers. Did you buy it legally? I got it from a legitimate soft software realtor. <laughs> Retailer? No, I got it like a house sale. It was in the basement. <laughs>